mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-C. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the End Times Continue recording on this, the 21st of January. I am Dino and you are. And I am Ace. Man, it has been, it has been a, a, an interesting, an interesting week since Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of things happened. Yeah, um, the... The thing that, uh, how caught up are you on the the Trump campaign as it stands right now? Uh, the Trump campaign specifically, or the the camp like all their campaigns? Just the way it's uh, go- yeah, the way the Republican race is going. Oh yeah, uh, well I know uh, Vivek uh, dropped out last week, like I think right after the episode, uh, or I think on like Tuesday or something. Yeah, like that, I, I think. Or yeah, it was, it was right after. And it was then, the, the the day after the caucus, I believe. Yeah. And then today, a, another challenger uh, fell down the steps and broke their neck. Yes, yes the uh, the 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 human shaped husk that is Ron DeSantis <laughs> <laughs> has dropped out as well. Yeah. Vivek, I, I think Ron DeSantis saw Vivek get get that attaboy on stage. You see that video? Oh, uh, I, I heard about that. I, I don't think I saw it, but are you talking about the Trump one when he yes. yelled Trump or was uh, he was up there with Trump? He yeah. was saying he endorses Trump and all this other stuff. And Trump goes mm-hmm. up on stage and shakes his hand and says, then we love him. And he says, like, uh, like, uh-huh. I like him a lot. We're going to be working with him for a long time, like sort uh-huh. of yeah. implying that he's going to be involved in the administration somehow. But it's mm-hmm. it's not really clear if, you know, Trump just says shit sometimes. So it's not really. I wouldn't be surprised if he like promised him some type of cabinet position or something. Right. Uh, that's you know usually how those things go. But uh, with DeSantis, like I, I don't know, I, I, DeSantis was one of those where it's like I'm kind of surprised he didn't drop out sooner. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, it was one of those where like every time I saw a video of him where he was on stage or giving some type of interview, the man looked dead inside, like yes. completely dead, like nothing, nothing behind, behind the behind eyes. Those eyes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Fucking exactly, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know, the, the lights are on, but no one's home type thing where it's like, uh, uh, it's just like, uh, it's like he found the scroll of truth and then it was just written on it uh, that Ron DeSantis is a big dummy. And that was the only thing that was the secret of the universe, uh, right? Uh, and uh, that's like the knowledge he carried with him throughout the whole campaign. Yeah, he just dropped out. He just dropped out today and he endorsed Trump, of course. But he what's interesting about it is this is we're in a situation where Trump is is first of all, and you pointed out right before we started recording, winning without debating. Yeah, which is hilarious. Like, think of all like, you know, the money and the time that these candidates spent just to like, you know, uh, get up there on stage and, you know, do all these fiery debates to be beat by someone who didn't even show up. It's really funny. Exactly. And then the other side of that, too, uh, the other interesting aspect of it is you have at least two states, I think, that are trying to just not give him ballot access. Right. <laughs> Which is its own thing. Like, how do you have a how do you have a guy who is not being given ballot access? And I believe it's two states. 
have decided yeah, it's they're Maine not in Colorado, I think. Yes, yes. Colorado, I knew it was one of them. I forgot what the other one was, but yeah, it could yeah. be Maine. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. So, no, not that it would make perfect sense, but that sounds right, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, he, okay. How do you run a candy? Ah. <laughs> it's so weird, well, here's dude. The thing. Here's the thing. Uh, if tr- if the RNC tries to pull a thing like they did with Ron Paul and they try to steal the nomination away from Trump after he like act like legitimately wins it, um, uh, the the Republican voters will burn the the convention down. Oh yeah, like the Trump supporters. Uh, yeah, no, it'll be riots in the street. Um, absolutely. I, I like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, I am convinced that. The Trump supporters are probably the most feral out of all the Republican supporters. Oh, yes. and I don't think it's even a question, right? I mean, you know, how much involvement Trump had on, in spurring, you know, January 6th, you know, that's debatable. But the fact that those, like, a lot of, and how many of them were actually feds, you know, in the mix. But anyway, yeah. you know, uh, the fact that there were people who, you know, were diehard for Trump that were willing to march into the Capitol building. It's like there's no way the RNC can steal the try to steal it away from them. You know, there's, there's no way. Uh, yes. But as you said, then they're running a candidate who might not be on the ballot in two states. So. Yeah, it's insane to <laughs> uh, me. Yeah, and the the one of the things too that that is <sighs> wild about this is I I I still think I still think that Necro's theory holds. That the RNC is going to try and build a centrist Voltron behind Nikki Haley. Oh, I mean, it's yeah, that's certainly possible. Uh, what is she even in the polls compared to Trump? Actually, I like what is her percentage? Do you no know? idea. Actually, we can look at okay. the Iowa results and kind of see how she landed. Yeah. Um, it'll take just a second for me to pull it up. Um, I, didn't she get third or something? Uh, she was third. Trump, DeSantis, and Haley. Okay, yeah. But I think DeSantis dropped because he knew he didn't have a chance. If he ever landed on the same stage as Donald Trump, yeah. Ron DeSanctimonious is over. Yeah. Like, that was, that was what was going to happen. Someone told, me, someone told me, like, Trump called him Meatball Ron at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But, you know. It's really funny because, like, all these candidates, like, uh, get embarrassed by Trump and Mm -hmm. then they have to end up, you know, kissing his boots uh, at the end of it. Right. Uh, Because (laughs) I think DeSantis Um, also figures they're running for the same slice of the electorate. And so you're uh, like, how are you going to know? I don't know because I, I it was my understanding that the the uh, the DeSantis people and then the Trump people hated each other. Well, he uh, tried you know. to sell himself. They did, but that's more recent. When he was still running, just running Florida, he tried to frame himself oh, as yeah. Florida's Trump. Oh, for sure, yes, yes. But over time, like there was a, a lot of animosity between those two camps. Yes, which is actually interesting, right? Because uh, from my understanding, DeSantis went after Haley a lot. Um, or at least uh, somewhat. So yes. I don't even like he endorsed Trump, right? So I mm-hmm. don't know how many of the people who are like pro DeSantis are going to be like, nope, I, I hate the Trump. I hate Trump more than I hate Haley. And how many will break for like Nikki Haley? I don't think a lot. I, I think maybe a no. portion will. Because like I think there is a lot of like bad blood between those two camps. But I, I think probably the majority will get in line behind Trump once they see that DeSantis, you know, 
uh, toe the line. I, I agree with you. I think Nikki Haley comes off to me. Nikki Haley comes off to me as an old world candidate. She comes off to me as mm-hmm. a pre-Trump Republican candidate who honestly may not even have a shot then against the likes of a Mitt Romney. You know what I mean? Right. So if she comes off that right. way to me, and, and I don't know, I think it's just the centrist sort of Republicans that like her, and that's not who's going to be driving the primary conversation. Mm-hmm. And I hope, too, and this is something we were talking about in, in uh, one of the group chats, I hope that... um. I hope that if if Trump kicks Haley's teeth in, I hope that it sends the message about being hawkish. You know what I mean? Regardless um, of the fact that Trump is also a murderer. Right. He he's not publicly hawkish, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh I yeah, I, I don't know because it, it seems like like the new I, I do agree it seems like Nikki Haley is a candidate from like old old times right because it on i think for the republican base i think there are people who are like who did again trump is still hawkish in the sense that maybe how we would uh classify that as yes he's not hawkish in a neoconservative sense exactly those are two different things um so but i think that you know the hawkishness from a neoconservative point of view that's just baked into the gop as a base and i think it's not until very recently until maybe you know well let's say ron paul and then you know let's say trump uh kind of like allowed republicans to think uh, otherwise then hmm, maybe we shouldn't be you know entangled in all these wars right right uh, that's the truth of it right is a, a lot of the time uh people adopt beliefs not because they have any like you know uh, knowledge of like geopolitics or anything or have uh, like a strong moral stance it's just because uh they are this team and the other team supports something and then that means they can't like that thing because the other team supports entirely it. reactive for a long time, exactly for a long time it was the democrats uh who were at least were ostensibly anti-war they weren't anti-war but ostensibly they were pretended uh, and that kind of yeah, and, and that kind of uh, took um, anti-war politics off the table for Republicans, because then, you know, you don't want to be seen as, uh, you know, if, if you're red team, you don't want to be purple by mixing with blue team. Right. You know, um, and despite so the I, fact I, that 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 a lot of Democrat politicians supported it, at least the public sort of facing Democrat Party, you're you're uh, John Stewart's of the world, right, were um, mm. were very much against like the war in Iraq, for example. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't until like, like for, for a lot of, a lot of like politics is that, you know, it's like the foot in the door uh, tactic, right? You get people to like you. And then, then they're, once you get them to like you uh, at first, they're much more amenable to like hearing opinions that they would otherwise revolt at right, or something like that. So like Trump already had a lot of really like a lot of support. And it, this isn't to say that there wasn't like some ground swelling of people who were just tired of the wars. That I've, that's obviously true. But he uh, Trump allowed, uh, much like Ron Paul did, Trump allowed like Republicans, uh, conservatives, to to feel comfortable being a Republican and being anti-war at the same time. Well, especially uh, with you know, with regards specifically to Afghanistan, like they like they yes yes they were they were very willing to be like okay yeah let's get the fuck out of Afghanistan I guess. 
This is a fucking, yeah. this is a mess anyway. Who cares? I mean, yeah. Like you remember in uh, um, 2016 when he was uh, in the South Carolina debate uh, and he told Jeb Bush to his face, uh, you know, this whole Middle Eastern nonsense is all your brother's fault. <laughs> and, he got, he, and, and, and they cheered him for it in South yeah. Carolina. Like that is insane. The That's very huge. same state that booed Ron Paul when he talked about, uh, you know, um, the golden rule uh, and to, uh, with foreign policy. Uh, the very it, it's just why you can kind of see like the shift. But yes. yeah, I do hope that this. I do hope that this sends more of a message that you know at least um, for future Republicans that they have to be you know uh, you know um, Israel second. The very least, yes, <laughs> you know, unlike I, Nikki Haley. I can't remember. Is, is, she, on, is she on Lockheed's board or Boeing's? I don't. I th- I thought of it. It's one of them. Um, I thought it was Boeing, or maybe I'm. Uh, maybe I'm getting confused. Let me let me just pull it up real quick. Uh, I might be getting confused. Oh, she was on the board at Boeing. And okay, she resigned yeah. in 2020 after the the airline bailout stuff. She resigned from the yeah. Boeing board in 2020. Yeah, no, Nikki Haley is the worst. Like she is the right wing Hillary Clinton. Yeah, uh, completely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that I'm uh, hoping that maybe there's a message sent that like especially after Vivek just fucking raked her over the coals for it. I'm hoping yeah. there's a message then if Trump kicks her teeth in that like, you know, having been on the board of Boeing at this point is uh, sort of disqualifying, you know, uh-huh. like, right. like that would be great yeah. if that's what happened. I have no faith it will, but I hope, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it really depends. I, I, I certainly see the Republican Party at least moving in a non or say a less neoconservative direction. There's still hawks, and I think the Republican Party will always have hawks in it. But again, I think they may be different hawks than neoconservative hawks. If that makes sense. Well, with the uh, way that with the of Israel, I I agree with you. But I think that's I see. I see it the other way. I think they're less interested in, for example, um, the old Cold War type of stuff. Like they don't care about fucking Russia. The, the Republicans have no interest oh, yes. in supporting Ukraine. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yes, yes. And and some of the Middle East adventures are tied to that. But I I think. I think they're shifting their hawkishness toward Israel. If you saw the, like, just with the way that things have gone mm-hmm. recently, and of course this is like a recency issue, right? So the, it could be that I'm misreading the whole thing. But it seems like that's shifting toward Israel. And, and it's against popular opinion. Every time Nikki Haley came out and said something about how being anti-Israel or anti-Zionist is, is anti-Semitism just as definitionally uh she got uh-huh. ratioed like you wouldn't believe and that's not to yeah. say that normal people are on twitter but you know right yeah no I, I think i mean i certainly think that the republican you know connection to israel is going to remain strong but i think the average like republican is kind of getting uh like more aware of like well wait why are we doing this exactly you know the america uh, first kind of position that yeah. that like why are we why are we responsible for israel's defense why are we responsible yeah. for europe's defense why is that any yeah. of our business right and that's not to say like there's still going to be right-wing evangelical christians who will like 
uh, die before they denounce Israel. We right? still have like to do that really... episode on, on Christian Zionism. <laughs> we still have right. to do and, that topic and, one of these days. <laughs> yeah, and, and that is not... Uh, like a political belief they have that is rooted in a religious belief. Yes. Uh, yes. It's not merely a hmm, maybe this isn't the best geopolitical strategy. That's no, 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 no. That's not how they. Think. Uh, that's... Yes. Kufi. Kufi is a political organization only incidentally. Like it's it, that's <laughs> yeah. not their motivation. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. I, I think there's there, there's there seems to be and i think it might be in part because of some of that america first thing and, and you have donald trump saying things yeah. like like i, I don't want to keep paying for fucking nato and everyone's like yeah mm-hmm. what are we really getting out of that you know what i mean right yeah yeah uh for uh, yeah there's a lot of people who one when you don't have strong reasons for your political beliefs in the first place, it's very easy to have those beliefs changed by someone you already like saying something right uh right that's that's sort of how this thing works. uh but yeah I, I think it's hilarious that as you said like trump in 2016 got on the debate stage and made fun of every single republican up there and like destroyed them politically like oh, yeah uh, you know you know what i mean like uh chris christie i think was the only one who back from from that lashing uh, and he didn't do well uh, oh man uh, is, low time. energy jeb is still the meme like that's that's yeah, yeah. it's it never was going away. utterly destroyed. Uh, it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you ever like the Bush dynasty thing was real, and he just humiliated like a, a member of the Bush the Bush family. It, oh, it yeah. was great, uh, but I think it even you know the even more Chad move was the fact that he he didn't even go to any of the debates, and he's still beating them handily. Uh, oh yeah it's not even close he won he won the iowa caucus not by a plurality he won a straight majority 51 percent yeah (laughs) that's that and he wasn't fucking like he was there but he wasn't on the stage he didn't do any debates in the lead up he did a tucker carlson interview and he did, yeah. uh, he did a, 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 like, he did a couple of town halls in Iowa. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, he's got that name brand. It's, there. yeah. Uh, and he's, yeah. Yeah, and people aren't going to let it go either, because I think, I think no. there is a subset of the population, even if, even if it's not like a majority, and I don't think it is a majority of Republicans who feel like there was election tampering and shit like that, or at least no mm-hmm. more than there always is. Um, right. Right. But um, I, I do think there is a subset and, and, and a subset that might be very active in a primary who feels like Trump got robbed. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And also the fact that, you know, they've, you know, um, uh, he's been, um, you know, um, charged and everything uh, that that is also going to lead to more, um, uh, you know, heartfelt support for trump oh, they're yeah. going to be like hey they're go- the you know these guys are going after our guy and they're being blamed about it you know whether you know whether it's true or not you know whether he deserves those charges or not the fact that it's going to be perceived by his electorate by yes. his, his people that uh he's being uh piled on by these people uh that that is going to like create a, a groundswell of support for him I, was it? Did we talk about on the show? I can't remember if if I said this on the show or not, but uh, or if maybe you did. But 
them trying to them martyring Trump is the worst thing they could possibly do. If they can't oh, yes. if they can't win and put him behind bars, they need to leave him alone. Because Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah. Like it, it's the it's the it's the worst thing they could do if what they're trying to do is disrupt him. Right. Right. That's like, something you know, we he need can to take him off the ballot. On. We need to take him off the ballot to protect democracy. Right. Know? It's uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, did did we talk about I can't remember. Did we talk about on an earlier episode about what's going on with the Georgia case? Uh, I mean, we've talked about the Georgia case. I don't know what you're referencing though exactly. The, one of there some some new development. Yeah, one of the other defendants. You know, okay, so the way that this went is um the 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 Georgia the okay, the DA who's leading the case, uh Fanny Willis, I believe is her name. She hired a basically a special prosecutor to come in and handle the Trump thing. And mm-hmm. it turns out she's fucking the special prosecutor. Okay. So there's a, well, this is alleged in a, in a, in a co-defendant's filing. They're basically saying, this is a conflict of interest, and here's how it's a conflict of interest. People have been confused about this. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying it's a conflict of interest because two prosecutors are fucking. That's not weird. Right. So she, she brought on this prosecutor. Yes. She hired it? someone with very little expertise in RICO. None, basically. And he's being paid, and supposedly, and this is what's being argued, he's being paid a lot, and, and what's being argued or alleged is that they're going on vacations together, and all of the benefit that he's getting from having been hired is getting funneled back to her. Hmm. You know, if he, if he buys her a car, or they're going on vacations together, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, that's where the conflict is. Right. And so that's the that's the problem that they're that they're having. Um, and that's what one of the one of the other defendants, it's not Trump. Uh, it's not Trump's case specifically. It's one of the cases that's related. One of the co-defendants basically is alleging this. And mm. people are bending over backwards to act like, why is this? A, why is this even matter? Why is this a big deal? And it's like, well, I mean. It wouldn't be if it were just two prosecutors who already worked in the same office who people found out they were fucking. It's like, yeah, but right. who cares? Like, that's, they're on the same side of the V. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know? But right. in this case, this was someone who was hired on specially, who has very little expertise in the matter. And according to, uh, uh, I believe it's Andrew Fleischman was talking about this, who is an attorney in Georgia was saying, uh, there's case law that says that he gets a new prosecutor now. (laughs) Because of this. Or, or would have, or, or could be applied to say that, I should say. It's not explicit, Mm -hmm. but, but it's, it's applicable. And, and so there's a, there's, there's a real issue with that case. And again, it it just, it goes, it's, if you can't actually put him behind bars, leave him alone. Right. Because yeah, if, you, I, I if mean, you fuck up like this, you only help him. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I mean that it seems to me that it, that's what's going to happen is that it, when you seem like when you have this fear of like you know fairness and democracy that you set you spout out one side of your mouth and then uh, on the other hand you're trying to keep someone from running, uh, you know, uh, democratically. It's like, oh, okay, well, uh, people are just going to see that and think, oh, okay, you're just a bunch of liars. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it, it, they're just going to give him support. They're going to martyr him. Uh, and, you know, I don't know who wins between him 
Biden. Uh, mm-hmm. I, like, I can't call it. But it's, uh, I think if he does win, if Trump does win, uh, it's going to be hilarious again. Uh, and, you know, it'll be like, uh, and the, all, all the Democrats who are trying to martyr him, they'll be like, oh, how did this ever happen? Yeah, you how know? could how could this have happened to us? Well, because you fucked right. up. Right. Yeah. And yeah. with a case like the one in Georgia, it's it's very easy now to spin the yarn, <laughs> even if, let's even, let's say none of it's true. It's already mm-hmm. very easy to spin the yarn that, well, they just got a crooked prosecutor out there in Georgia fucking with him. That's yeah. all they're yeah, doing. Exactly. Right. And it's that's that was always the danger. That was always the danger of bringing a case against Trump, Donald Trump that wasn't fucking airtight. Whether the charges are legitimate or not, whether they're deserved or not, it does not matter because there is a large portion of his base who will see this as uh, an attack uh, rather than like a legal prosecution. Right. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're like um, the Democrats who were trying to keep him off the ballots and who were trying to stop him from even, you know, getting to that general uh, election. Um, they're doing this to themselves and it's yes. going to be hilarious when it backfires, I think. Uh, and they don't understand this. They don't get it. And I know they don't get it because I was listening to um, there was a there's a podcast It's called America's Constitution. There's a, a uh, 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 he's a constitutional scholar. Last name's Amar. Forget his first name. Um, who he he does this podcast with with a friend of his who's a doctor, right? And and they are uh, they are uh, they do this show about legal issues, and 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 the doctor guy kind of has the normie sort of questions about it, but questions from a normie, but a smart guy, but a normie. And and Amar answers the questions from the position of a guy who's a scholar on constitutional law, uh, which he is, and he's very smart. Um, the, the, the doctor guy on the show at one point, he was, they were talking about the Trump issue and they were talking about the, uh, some of the crimes that, that are proven. The idea of like the, that he was showing fucking Kid Rock classified material. Yeah. (laughs) Like some of that stuff, it's known to be true. uh, I think I asked this a while back, but will Kid Rock be pulled in to testify in the trial? I can't, Uh, I, I, I don't know what's happening with that case. Oh, okay. It kind of <laughs> fell out of the news cycle. I don't know if it's even... I don't know what's going on with it. Okay. But in any case, he... he, he uh, they were t- talking about it, and he says, what would it take if... if, do, do, if do, Trump supporters, they, they don't think he's a criminal. What would it take to prove to them that he is? Because they've all got all this other proof of all this other stuff. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, dude, dude, you don't get it. Yeah. They, yeah. The question in their <laughs> minds is not, whether he's a criminal they know right. he is the question in their minds is what has he done that your guy hasn't yeah but he's our criminal right <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> if they could prove that he committed a murder somewhere maybe that would move yeah. the needle but as long as it's, uh, I mean, I mean, a personal murder where he actually killed someone with a right. gun in, in a place that's public. I right. mean, he's clearly well, I a remember, murderer. Remember but... 2016 when he said he could go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and his supporters <laughs> still love him? I think that's true. I think there's some truth to it, but I think it might move the needle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah. But but with as far as as far as that question goes, it's the, the, the issue is not whether he's a criminal. Yes, he's broken laws. No. 
Yeah. Absolutely. They've proven that. Right. That's not what's at question. The question is, why is he getting in trouble for mishandling classified documents yeah. when Biden had him in his fucking garage, too? Look, here, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Here's the thing, right? Republicans already think like, and I mean, <laughs> with good reason, but maybe for the wrong reasons, but still correctly, they think Obama was a criminal, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so what, they don't care that uh, people are like saying that Trump is a is that Obama didn't get, you know, slapped on the wrist for it at all. No. Uh, but they're going after their guy. So it's like, oh, what is, you know, what's up with this? Obviously, this is obviously a targeted thing. Yes, this uh, is personal. This is political. This yeah. is about him. Right. It's not about the law. Yeah. And they know that. They can right. see it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the, that's what, and, and the, the Democrat, I really do think that that guy is representative of a lot of Democrats, especially like high IQ like, you know, ivory tower style mm-hmm. Democrats, right. they don't get it. They just don't. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's kind of confounding to me how they don't, but then I remember they're fucking normie fucking Democrats. They, they don't think in those terms. They don't think in terms right. of, of, you know, taking the thousand foot view and asking, you know, well, why is it that it didn't matter that Biden had him, but it matters that Trump had him? Why is it that all this stuff? Why is it that Obama gets to murder a 16 year old boy like American kid? Why? Why is it that none of this? Ma- that's not the that's right. not the view they come at it with. Yeah, I, I think the the position, at least right now, uh, this might not this. I don't think this is always true, but certainly right now, the, the normie Democrat position um is very one is one of um um if if the powers that be or if they were selling but if the people who we elected that are in charge decide to go after someone that means that there's a good reason to go after them and if they didn't go after another person that means there was not a good reason to go after exactly them. Uh, yes that's how they think they think in those terms so for them it's very easy to that oh well if you know if our justice system is going after this person that must mean they did something bad and if our justice system is not going after another person that means it must be uh that, that's just like how they i think that's like at normie democrat yes uh, at least in regards to this because the system can't be one-sided right that's exactly. impossible yeah. it it's impartial it says so on, on the letters so <laughs> Yeah, don't you see the 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 justice has a has the has the has the blindfold on. That means it's right. that there's impartiality here. Yeah, good guys ink can't be bad guys. It's in the name. You did or something? Like fucking Google, don't be evil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um speaking of people who just don't fucking get it. Mm-hmm. This was hilarious to me. Our friends over at the Arizona Mises caucus twitter account mm-hmm. ratioed owen benjamin <laughs> oh great you love to see it yeah yeah what, what's he been <laughs> owen benjamin has been kicking his own ass on twitter for like a few days now he originally called out... any idea how little that narrows things down <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that he's been uh one of the he started out talking just mad shit about libertarianism for no reason Okay. And he Must he uploaded a, Yeah, right. He uploaded a video. He said the truth about government and libertarianism, anyone telling you otherwise is dumb or evil. This is a 13-minute video. Okay. Having a normal one. 
Yes. Uh, he's in front of hay, <laughs> wearing a fleece. Now, this is a guy who people love Owen Benjamin because he's like kind of an off-grid type of guy. Subsistence uh-huh. farming and stuff out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I do want to uh, say something about that. I know some people like to, you know, idolize that. Oh, he, he's out on his own, uh, you know, living the homestead life. And, um, you know, that's true to a certain extent. Um, the other part of that is that he's fucking insane. Yes, this is <laughs> a guy who... can't live anywhere else. You have to understand. <laughs> no one would have him. There's homestead. <laughs> yeah, no. There's homesteaders who go out and they have a, a legitimate choice of, like, saying, well, I could live in the city, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to live life uh, to live here. No, no. Owen Benjamin can't leave that farm. <laughs> He is. Uh, there was a hilarious interaction he is that I exiled. saw. Yes, there was a there was a hilarious interaction that I saw between somebody and, and Scott Horton, where they said um, it was later on when he was still spinning out, and Scott Horton had reposted it and said uh, said something that I'll bring up later, and someone else had responded and said, "Well, he seems unstable," and Scott Horton's only <laughs> reply, his reply to that was, "He thinks the Earth is flat and nukes are pretend." Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, on one hand, you know, uh, if you're going to go, if you're going out and attacking Owen Benjamin, I, I wish you all the best. I think that's hilarious. Uh, on the other hand, it's like, you know, I will argue with a lot of people, uh, you know, anyone who knows me uh, probably knows that. Um, at a, I have my limits, and there are certain people who I'm just like, you know what? That's great. That's great, <laughs> Owen. I'm, happy I'm so you. happy for you. Yeah, I'm so happy. <laughs> he um, oh, he has you been sweet summer Yes, and he was shitting. He was shitting on Ancapsule, and he specifically started calling out Dave Smith and shitting down Dave Smith's throat because he won't debate. It's a debate me, bro, thing with him and Dave Smith. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the, he's just been getting absolutely lambasted for this. He, he said uh, today, he said, he tweeted, uh, someone said that he should debate Dave Smith, uh, and, and Owen Benjamin said, he won't, and he's not even allowed to say my name, or Rogan won't let him on his show. Your quote best are wormy little cowards. I'll, I'd debate Dave Smith any day of the week, but he's too busy living his ANCAP life in a city completely dependent on the system for his survival. Your philosophy is so retarded, you can only debate approved people who can't pick it apart. Little Michael Malice and the boys, a Ukrainian Jew, wants Americans to destroy their own government so they can feast on the corpse easier. I know that, and they know I know. That's why they do the Ben Shapiro move and only debate morons. Um responses uh, replies to that tweet were uh were limited from the outset oh he didn't let people reply no <laughs> no only approved people can reply to his <laughs> so so he's complaining that dave smith only debates like people who uh, approve people sure right and he's saying that he will not debate anyone that's not Dave Smith in his reply. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay. That is exactly right. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and he has just been he has just been spinning out, dude. It's been days of this. Couple a couple of days, like full days of this. He is yeah, now look, he, I, I just freaking out. You know, there's things to be said, and I've made this argument in the past. Like, you know, sometimes debating who are very unserious is still worthwhile because, uh, you know, people on the outside, onlookers, can, you know, uh, see the argument and come to their own conclusion about it. Yes, they see that um, lack of seriousness. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think there's limited value in arguing with a turnip. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, <laughs> at a certain level. You've got to say, okay, you know, and just start agreeing with them, you know, because uh, uh, the man is not just deeply unserious. I, I, I think he's probably schizophrenic, uh, li- like li- literally schizophrenic. <laughs> oh, and, that's, uh, that's the thing is he's 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 actually insane. So it's no, kind of no, difficult. He is. <laughs> right. At a certain point, it, it stops being funny, and it becomes, like, um, abusive, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, it's like, hmm, hmm, <laughs> you know, I don't know. There may be some ethical uh, lines we're overstepping by interacting with this man. Exactly. There was a, the, the response that Scott had, the only response that Scott had when he, when he quote tweeted that was, uh, Dave Smith only has nice things to say about you. That was the reply. (laughs) Uh, Like, dude, you are spinning the fuck out. (laughs) And he was, his whole argument is that libertarians and and anarchists are, are, are trying to overthrow his government. He's very much a, he's, he's, he uses that my government phrase a few times. And it's like that's that's his thing. It's like you know this is this is this this is my system that I believe in and all this other stuff. And it's like, dude, you're you're you were ostracized from society. You were living on the outskirts. You were living on a farm. The government would raid you and kill you if yes. they wanted a reason to. If you like, if they thought you were actually a threat, they would have already fucking ruby ridged you, you dummy. Yeah, don't cut that shotgun too short, but... (laughs) Like, like, really? It's my government, you know, my government. Like, you know, he's just, you know, best buds with George Bush. They go out and hang out on his farm together. Yeah, he knows his congressman personally. Right, yeah. (laughs) He is in his congressman's walls as we speak right now. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, the anarchists are in his walls. Oh, great, yes. <laughs> um, I, I think if I if I was Dave Smith, I would say, okay, uh, you know, I'll debate you, uh, but <laughs> you must uh, acknowledge uh, that the Earth is round. <laughs> yes, and I will publicly. <laughs> I will debate you if you will public. Yes, that is perfect. I will debate you if you will publicly acknowledge that nuclear weapons are real, and the yeah. Earth is in fact round. Yeah, and uh, you know if 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 Dave Smith really wanted to, you know, if they really wanted to do this, uh, I think um, what what should happen is um, if 
or when Owen Benjamin loses fate, there there's an agreement that he will set sail into outer space on a rocket, um, just so that we can prove to him that the Earth is round. Yes, uh, yes. Whether it's a return trip, uh, that's undebatable. That's <laughs> uh, but but I, I think you know for the good of everyone, I, I think Owen Benjamin deserves to know the truth. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, more than anyone. Oh man, it's just one of the funniest. And so yeah, the AZMC account ratioed the shit out of him. He's been yeah, uh, he's been trying to beat away uh, uh, replies with a stick ever since. It's not going well for him. Uh, he's he's spinning out. I don't know why he's specifically attacking Dave Smith. Um, that that seems weird to me. Like it's well, like, him and, well, well, him and Dave used to be friends. Well, yeah, but but that doesn't that doesn't explain the obsession. Like, like it might it explains oh, why he might come I, up. I think, no, I I, because I I think the reason why is that Owen got completely uh, blacklisted from everything uh, so, socially, and Dave did it. So I, I there's probably some amount of like jealousy there, and I yeah. think he probably sees Dave is like you know an establishment type person because you know he's exiled to a farm and davis not (laughs) (laughs) owen benjamin dude he he comes off honestly honestly he comes off like a guy who'd be hard to work with uh yeah yeah (laughs) so i'm not entirely sure whether his position in life is by choice Like to your point, yeah, he's probably exiled as opposed to uh, yeah. wanting to live the life that he's living. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, he strikes me as the type of person who, like, where like that was the only like practical choice he had left. But he was like, "No, I, this is my choice, and I'm yes. gonna, you know, lean into it." And like, yeah, I, you know, he did uh, a whole video on how the free market is a race to the bottom, and. uh and oh, all the yeah. freedom that anarcho-capitalists You're offer really is slavery. Out here, Owen. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, glorious. Isn't it great? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I think it reflects the sort of Tucker Carlson angle where it's just like, you're not mad. You're not, you're, you're, you are upset. You think you're upset because uh, the free market has made cheap shit prevalent. You're actually upset because poor people can afford cheap shit now. Like you're, you're, you're. I, I don't know if that is necessarily Owen's where Owen is coming from with that. Well, no, it, it reminds me of it. I'm not saying that's his position. Oh, yeah, it, but it, it reminds yeah. me of that kind of position. Oh yes, yes. It, it's it's not based in actual like economic thought or reason. Obviously, of course, right? Uh, but it, it very much is. I I, I think. Actually, you know, it, it, it's wrong of me to even say I. I think I know what he's thinking because I. I I'm not schizophrenic myself. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think I think I uh, think I might know, I know what he might think if he thought. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> The, the last time I remember him talking about like the free market and stuff, it sounded like he was very like uh, butthurt because people were uh, like people uh, like blacklisted him uh, and things like that. And it wasn't necessarily a state mandate that he get blacklisted. 
So I think he he's just like very butthurt about that whole situation. Oh, you think he's upset about you think there's you think that he might think if he thought that he yes. would be upset about the fact that the market has clearly sent him a message. <laughs> yes. Precisely. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, I, and I, again, I'm stupid for this because I, I, I know that it wouldn't matter. But I, I still, a part of me still wants to be like, look, uh, people discovered that the Earth wasn't flat before we even went to space. <laughs> uh, you see, there are mathematical measurements you can do on Earth that can prove this. That can, like, literally prove this. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure his next position would be that math is not real. Uh, or mm-hmm. <laughs> math, you know, or something like that. But, you know, again, I, I think, you know, Owen is one of those uh, people where it's like, hey, kid, look at the funny man over there. Yes. And then, but but then, you know, but but then, you know, you don't want you don't want your kids staring too long. So you're like, all right, Tommy, let's go. Yeah, it's time. Uh, okay. All right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's yeah. the thing, though. I, it's it's a difficult thing. You know, you mentioned that there might be like a line here because this man's clearly unwell. Um, yes. And I think it's interesting to think about that a little bit because the the, the uh, I think I think I think I think um, the the thing about it that that I find interesting about that question is. What's the line between. Yeah, he's retarded, but he started it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. I, at a certain point, right, it, it's like if we if people were just like picking on Owen Benjamin, like just randomly or something like that, I'd probably have a more I, I would be more against that. But because he's starting it, it's like, yeah, you, you know what I mean? It's like, uh if you know this isn't like this is just a loose analogy it's not meant to be serious but if someone's running at me with a knife and then they trip and slam their face right into the concrete it's really funny yeah no that's yes i'm <laughs> laughing <You know>. at them <laughs> yeah but whereas if it was just a normal person just falling on their face and you know cracking their skull on the concrete that would not be funny no but because they they were doing it well, what they were doing it, it might be funny falling. until you learn that they were actually very seriously injured and then it stops being so funny right. oh, yeah <laughs> Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but, but when you take into account what they were doing that precipitated that, uh, it's like, yeah, no, this is really funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was also, I guess, in line with the idea of anarcho-capitalism and stuff, mm-hmm. there was uh, everybody, you know, everybody was sharing that picture of Millet being a member of the WEF. Oh, Yeah. Which is a which is a club for economists. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Not everyone at the WEF is is fucking. Uh, what's his face? The dude who fucking runs the thing. Um. Goddamn. Why refer- Klaus Schwab. Klaus. Yes. Not everyone Palpatine. at the WEF is is Klaus. Yeah. Like you can't. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, it's like an inversion of what we were talking about before. You know how we were like, well. Good guys Inc. can't be bad guys. Just because right. someone's a part of the group doesn't doesn't automatically mean they're a bad they're yeah. a bad guy, right? It's Just a drinking club. Yes, yeah, and and the WEF uh, they promoted Bob Murphy's book like yes. two years ago. <laughs> yes, it's 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 your it's it's an economic it's a it's a it's a pseudo union for economists. It's yeah. a it's a fucking it's yeah. a drinking club. 
Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's one of those like you know what I mean like the, that's like a TED talk for economists. Yes. Uh, and it's it's one of those things where it's like um, these these types of things like I think like a lot of bad people are a part of the WEF. Yeah. I, I, just because you're, you speak there or you're like a member, uh, quote unquote, of it, that doesn't mean that you're automatically bad. Yes, uh, and it's it's not to downplay the fact that the people at the top of that organization have an outsized influence on on the economic policies of governments around the world. That's oh, not yes. it, it's not to downplay that at all. Right. But that doesn't mean anyone who's ever paid a due to get their fucking magazine is it, it agrees right. with Klaus Schwab. That doesn't that doesn't mean that. Right. Like that's I mean that's it's it's like being a member of the of of the bar. It's like yeah, you pay a due, you get the magazine, and they say you get to be a lawyer. Like that's what it is. It's practically the same. Um, you you pay that you pay your dues to the WEF, you get the magazine, and they say you get to be a serious economist. That's just right. It is what it is. Um, in any case, he gave a speech at the WEF, mm-hmm. and people were surprised. People who were shitting on him for having been a member were surprised at the content of the speech. Because he basically um, had a come to Jesus talk with the entire WEF. <laughs> <laughs> he sat down. He he sat, He stood up there and he said, "Look, guys, stop trying to control economies. It doesn't work. It hasn't yeah. worked. You're killing people. Cut it out." And he made he did this whole speech about how it was it it really kind of hinged part of it at least hinged on the idea of collectivism and 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 why collectivism is poisonous, um, mm. especially when you're talking about economic policies and stuff like that. And the everybody he made everybody mad, um, everybody who didn't already like him. <laughs> um, but there were there was somebody who posted he had said during the thing he said like I don't care if it's communism or socialism or fascism or some form of command economy, whatever. It's all the same. His point being that it was all collectivism. Right. And the collectivists were very upset with that. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you say these things are the same? Well, in the framework of collectivism versus individualism, they are. I mean, that's the point he was making. (laughs) Right. It's like fascism isn't the same as communism, uh, but they're both collectivists. You know, an apple and an orange aren't the same, but they're both fruit. Exactly. (laughs) But man, he made everybody mad. And it was it was one of the it was, you know, a few hours on Twitter that people were just seething about this speech that he gave. Oh, great. Yeah, (laughs) it was it was glorious. You have the, the in one quarter, you have the fascist. How dare you say I'm like communism and then you have the communist. How dare you say I'm like fascism? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, it was really good. I, I, I recommend people go watch the speech. I watched a good chunk of it. I didn't watch the whole thing because I was actually too busy doing research on another topic. But um, the it was it was a very interesting speech. Uh, I recommend people watch it. <laughs> And and he does. It is it is like a come to Jesus talk to the WEF. Oh yeah. And and people I think were surprised at that. I, I, I think people thought that he was more of an agent than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least people who cared that he was a member of the WEF. 
uh, and thought that that was a like a like indicated something, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like uh, you know, early in Rothbard's uh, you know, career, he would, like went to Maoist organizations mm-hmm. and, and groups like that, like, you know, <laughs> uh because you know, he wanted to like um protest, you know, the Vietnam War and stuff. Um and I remember, like, Walter Block has a story about, like, you know, these, like, you know, uh, they would take these, like, you know, informal, like, membership oaths and stuff like that, just to, uh, like, you know, sort of, like, uh, get in there and, and, and speak. To and be able like to give that. the talk. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's like, yeah, just because, you know, uh, just because someone is there doesn't immediately make them a part of the overall grand, uh, you know, vision for what the the guys at the top have. Right. Exactly. Um, it's, and, and that's not to, to, again, that's not to downplay the fact that the guys at the top, the Klaus Schwab's of the world do have outsized influence and they are fucking destructive. Yes. Yeah. He, He dresses like an actual like villain. Yes, absolutely. He's, he, he is, he's terrible and terrifying, but He's also the head of a very large professional organization. It's not like the it's not like that every single person that pays a due to the WEF agrees with Klaus Schwab. Yeah. It's just not. Right. Um that 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 topic I was doing other research on. You want to get into that? Oh, sure, yeah. So we talked a little bit about this and I want to say up top two things. First, if you have a question, interrupt me and ask the question because I've been immersed okay. in this for a little bit and I don't want to skip over things that might be questions people have. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is, this topic is not going to seem important. What do you give a shit about herring fishermen? But it is important because you do give a shit about machine guns. <laughs> and and i it is it i that's why i that's why this topic is important because i don't give a shit about herring fishermen i care about machine guns and this mm-hmm. plays directly into that so there are two cases up at the supreme court one of them is loper bright uh v raimondo spelled like justin raimondo and the other is relentless inc via the Department of Commerce. And okay. both of these cases are connected to a rule change that came down from uh, the regulatory body within the regulatory body. Uh, these people regulate fisheries. Okay. And the rule change was that they, they had to have these monitors on their boats. And this isn't a piece of tech. I was confused at first because I was like, so what, there's cameras on the boats? Who cares? No, these, these are people. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Yes. Uh, that's that, that kind of changes the situation, right? So these are people and these people draw a salary. And the rule change was that the percentage of their salary that has to be paid by the fishery went up. These people are, are sometimes government employees, sometimes private employees that are contracted to uh, fulfill that monitoring role that the government requires that they have. But the, the proportion of their salary that has to be paid by the fishery is effectively went up. Oh, so wait, the fishery had to pay the monitors. Yes. That they're legally required to have. <laughs> okay. Yes. 
This gave rise to lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is a question of statutory construction. And this is a question of what is called Chevron deference. Okay. okay. And I will, I will, I promise I will tell you why this matters for machine guns. Okay. Um, okay. So Chevron deference is a thing. Been around since the 1980s. This is a, this is a type of deference that uh, the judicial system, at least in the federal system, right? It doesn't really apply to states. And a lot of states have gotten rid of Chevron uh, or Chevron style stuff. But effectively what this says is, if there is ambiguity in a statute, let's say, well, we can take the actual Chevron case. Let's say there's, if for the EPA, they're, they're, supposed to, um, they're supposed to regulate based on sources of pollution, but whether a source of pollution is a piece of equipment or the entire plant is up for debate. Uh-huh. And the EPA, you know, changes this one of these days. One, one, you know, one, one time it's, it's, it's an individual, individual piece of equipment, and now they're judging it based on the whole plant. So if you, or the, the entire installation. So if you bring in a piece of equipment that's more, uh, causes more pollution, but get rid of another piece of equipment that doesn't cause so much pollution, it's a net zero and you don't have to do certain regulatory compliance stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas before, if it was based on the individual piece of equipment, the fact that you remove the other piece of equipment wouldn't have mattered. Because you brought in the more pollution, the more pollutant, the polluting piece of equipment, and, and so now you have to do this other regulatory stuff. That's what that suit was about. It was about, what does it mean for a thing to be a source of pollution? And can the EPA just change their mind about that? This gave rise to Chevron deference. And what that basically means is, if there's a, a source of ambiguity like that, and the court can't go through and find a meaning in the legislation, then they have to defer to the agency that the legislation empowers to enforce the law. Okay, so the EPA in the solution case. Yes. The court basically has to say EPA's right. Regardless of whether the okay. judge thinks well, there's other stuff here that makes me think maybe they're wrong, doesn't matter. If it's ambiguous enough, and this is the way it's been, there are quibbles about whether it's supposed to be done this way, but this is how it ends up being done. If it's ambiguous enough, even if the judge thinks they have a better reading of the law, they still have to side with the agency. Mm, okay. So, that's, that, is, that is what's happened with Chevron deference. Why does this matter for machine guns? You remember... The definition of the SBR changing overnight? Oh, right. The ATF reclassification. Yes. Yeah. The yep. ATF okay, can come through and say that a piece of string is a machine gun. Uh-huh. Or a bump stock. <laughs> uh-huh. Or they can come through and they can say that, well, your pistol brace is now a stock, and now that makes your gun an SBR. Right, right. That's why it matters for machine guns. That's why uh-huh. it matters okay. for your guns. It's because... When the court, when the, when the court looks at the NFA and says, well, you know, they, they gave a definition for machine gun, but there's a lot of things that could functionally fit in that definition. We're going to mm-hmm. defer to the agency on whether or not this thing is a machine gun. That uh-huh, would be Chevron okay. deference. Right. So these two cases, both of them are basically arguing we have to get rid of Chevron. Chevron's no good. <laughs> 
we have to overturn Chevron deference. We have to get rid of it. Okay, I can see how that'd be uh, have a lot of ramifications uh, from that. Yeah, right, right. Because people are like, again, again, it's like, what do I care about a herring fishery? This is why you care uh-huh. about a herring fishery. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of like legal statutes, uh, like the ramifications of them, uh, can come from have have come from cases that don't yep. explicitly have talk about those things. Like yes. just the, the ramifications are sometimes bigger than the actual thing itself. Oftentimes you think about a case, you think about an issue like net neutrality. One of the cases that's a big sort of sticking point case is a case called brand X. And, um, what it was, uh, was the definition of what's the definition of what, what is broadband internet? Is it telecommunications or is it information, uh, transit? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? Because these are two different things based on what the uh, the uh, uh, the FCC gets to define. Mm-hmm. So these are like these are two different things entirely and they're regulated differently. And whether or not you're one or the other makes a big, big difference, because if you're telecom, you're a common carrier. Right. Right. So Chevron this case that was about again this this case that was about the EPA and whether what 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 is a source under the legislation and does the EPA get to define that to be whatever they want it to be that came back around in this brand x case not long ago where they basically said well the the they chevron they get to make this call they get to define what this internet uh transit system is is it telecom or is it or is it information transit? And so, which is a huge amount of power, like that, you know, deferring to the agency who's like creating the definition, yes, uh, or remaking the definition. That's a massive amount of power. That is a huge uh, amount of power. Yes, exactly. And Brand X is especially bad because it was a it was a definition that had already changed once, and then it changed again after the case. <laughs> So it kind of went to show that this idea that we give these political agencies, these agencies that are ultimately at the behest of a, of a, of a politician, the president, we mm-hmm. give them this authority to change these definitions with this standard, the Chevron deference standard that's supposed to say it's supposed to be it's supposed to make the court system more uh, more reliably. Um, uh, the outcomes are supposed to become more reliable where it's like. Well, we have this Chevron deference, and so what the agency says is probably going to go, and there we go. That's what it is. If it's ambiguous, the agency wins. There's the rule. Now people know how cases are going to shake out, probably. That was sort of the intent behind this kind of thing. But what it ended up doing was it made the law unstable. Because now agencies get to come through. Right. And they can change whatever they want overnight. They can make people into felons overnight. Yeah, just by widening the definition a little bit of something. Yes. Yeah, well, well. Exactly. So, Chevron's an issue, and it's a big issue. And the and for some reason, this is coming down on on uh, on sort of ideological lines. The left, for some reason, loves Chevron, and I think it's because of this idea of just like, why would you question the government? These people are supposedly the experts. The people who work in these in these right. agencies are the experts on these things, and why would you question them? Especially if Congress right. has told them they get to define right. it. Yeah, if they weren't right, they wouldn't be called experts, Dean. Exactly. So. That's exactly right. That's exactly like, right. And, you know, I'm making fun, but that actually is how a lot of people think. Uh, you know, 
uh, where it's like, well, they're they're the expert. Uh, you know, of course they know more. Well, they wouldn't be running the agency if they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. The cop, you know, beating someone. Well, obviously, I mean, this is more right wing thing, but still, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, obviously, the cop beating someone, he wouldn't be wrong or be a cop, you know? Uh, so he obviously he has to have a reason. Exactly. He has to have a, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, clearly. Clearly, he can't be in the wrong. I mean, we know that right. categorically. So, right, exactly. Yes. And this was actually an interesting point that Paul Clement made. I listened to both oral arguments. There was an interesting point that Paul Clement made. He's the uh, attorney in, in Roper Bright. There's a different attorney who's doing, um, who's doing Relentless. But, uh, I'm sorry, Loper Bright, not Roper Bright. Um, he's, the, he's the attorney. Paul Clement said it was interesting. He said, uh, you know, we think that these agencies are the experts, but there's been a lot of cases where the expert opinions come from the industries that are regulated, not the agencies that are regulating them. The people who know more about the industry are in the industry. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, there you go, Elena Kagan. You didn't think about that, did you? <laughs> right. I pick on Elena Kagan because she's a big fan of, of, of Chevron. She was, she was basically asking, she was asking really tough questions. They were good questions. But, but the, the, she is, that's her field, admin law. She, she, she cares about how agencies function. That's her whole sort of expertise. And so she had very good questions about this, but she also has an angle. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's her appreciation for Chevron. She thinks it's good doctrine. Now, the, the, I, I, would, I do want to sort of provide a little more context for how this works exactly. So mm-hmm. if you have a piece of legislation that, that says explicitly we, the legislature, right, part of the legislative branch of the government, yeah. are going to give this agency in the executive branch of the government the right to determine, for example, what a fine should be for the violation of this piece of, of legislation, for this regulation. We're putting this regulation uh-huh. in place, and we're going to tell the executive agency, um, you know, a, a reasonable fine to be determined by the secretary for the ATF or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. That's sort of that, that, that sort of language is generally considered to be legitimate and good because you have a, you, you, you have the, the legislature saying, we're not going to pass a piece of legislation. that's going to be so set in stone that this thing can't evolve over time. Something like a fine probably needs to change over time. And so we're going to give the agency the ability to determine that. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, That's generally fine, right? Like, what were you going to ask? Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I was just saying, this is kind of goes back to what we were talking about on episodes a while back. We were talking about, like, how um, the discussion over whether the legislature can um, uh, defer some of their power to these agencies. Um, to my do dudes, things. I was like, just about uh, to touch on that. You read my mind. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to steal the. No. The no. No. Go for it. No. No. I, I want you to interrupt. I want no, you to interrupt. I, I was just. It's like you know. At least in the creation myth of the United States, right? Like obviously we don't believe this is true, but everyone else does practically. That you know the state gets its power from the people, right? They get their right to govern from the people. Well, if that's true, then the the prime right holders are the citizens. Uh. So you know, if we, even if we pretend that the state has some right 
coming from uh, in like almost like a, a proxy uh, from the people uh, to govern. That doesn't imply that they then you can then take that right by proxy than to give it another proxy. <laughs> you know, it's like if I exactly. rent someone something, if I give, if I rent someone something, that doesn't mean they have the right to rent it to another person yeah. without my permission. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and that's, that's the issue is we have these ideas, we have these doctrines, major questions and non-delegation. Okay. This is two, these are two sort of doctrines. Major questions is more recent. But the idea of the major questions doctrine is if this is a major policy question, if this is a major uh, political question. This is a major part of the job of the legislature, which is to write the laws. Then the legislature is not going to be allowed to say the, that the executive can do that. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the, the legislature is supposed to write the laws. The executive is supposed to execute on the laws. The judicial right. is supposed to do judicial stuff. It really is kind of the odd man out. The judicial system is, is until Marbury v. Madison, the judicial system really was the odd man out in the whole separation of power scheme. But in any case, the, 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 that's how that's supposed to work. And so we have these non-delegation doctrines, this idea that, well, the, 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 the legislature is not allowed to give this power to the executive because the Constitution gave it to the legislature. And there, right. and that's that can't be delegated out. Um, they, they that's that's sort of one of the it's a it's a constitutional question really. It's an Article Three question. And this is right, this, like if, you, if you say it can be delegated, then why can't the agency delegate it to another agency, and why can't that agency delegate it to another agency on forever? Right. Right. Uh, Yes, yes. And and what's to stop the, the whole reason we're supposed to have separation of powers is that you're not supposed to have the executive writing the laws. Right. Yeah. If you if, yeah, if legislators can just delegate it, why can't they just delegate it into one, you know, one body? Right. right. Like just that, and then <laughs> you're not yeah, supposed to have the, the, the what they're trying to avoid is the Judge Dredd situation of I right. determine what the law is on the spot. And right. I'm also responsible for enforcing it. Right. <laughs> you see, like, like that's that's the that's the that's sort of what yeah. is supposed to be avoided by this. Mm-hmm. Well, Chevron sort of undermines that because the question then becomes basically yeah. the, the, the underlying assumption of Chevron. And I believe this is something Elena Kagan herself has said. The underlying assumption of, of Chevron is a legal fiction that Congress understands ambiguity and that there's going to be ambiguity in language and that they also understand that those determinations are going to have to be made by the agency that they're saying is there to enforce their laws. Mm -hmm. That's the legal fiction that underlies Chevron. Right. And it's a legal fiction because it's not explicit. Uh, The the legislature has never passed a law saying, uh, if there's any ambiguity in our laws, uh, the agency's definition fills in for what we would have said. Right, yeah. And and there would be an issue with that. There there would be a, a, a there would be multiple questions with that. There would be a delegation issue with that, and there would be an Article Three question with that. Because at that right. point, then Congress would be legislating away the constitutional duty of the justice system to interpret laws and right. giving it and to agencies. Always, and you can't eliminate ambiguity. Like there's always some ambiguity in everything. Yes. Like language, you can't. Like you can't. 
uh like you know whether one person understands a word to mean uh, the same thing as you that's not guaranteed at all yes so like you know once you rest your thing on well this is the law and uh it, you know this uh, um you know this is how it is unless there's ambiguity then we defer it to you know another agency well there's yeah. always ambiguity. Like, like you're just that's just an out there's a case that's coming up before the court in this term that came up a few times in this conversation. And the, and the, the lynch, the linchpin issue of the case is whether and in certain contexts can mean or. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like that's the, that is the core issue. And here's the thing. It, it, it doesn't yeah. get Chevron because Chevron doesn't apply in criminal contexts. <laughs> uh-huh. They limited that away. Like you can't use uh-huh. Chevron to say that, well, the state's right in this criminal case. You can't do that, but, but it's right. a, it's an interesting thing, right? Like this, that, that kind of ambiguity exists and become very important legal questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like once you, uh, like default to, well, uh, this is how the system runs unless there's ambiguity, then we just default to the executive to make the law. Yes. Uh, it's like, oh, well, congratulations. You've just, uh, like dissolved yourself pretty much yes you've given away your article three authority to interpret law and you've given it to these executive agencies these executive agencies that are themselves capricious and change their mind every four years based on who's the president right exactly there's no consistency in that and that's the issue and and so this is it's a it's a fascinating couple of oral arguments um there were there were some very good questions that were asked by everyone except for kbj um, Cassandra Brown Jackson did not ask good questions during the whole thing. Well, her whole sticking point, this is, this bothers me a little bit. And I, uh, her whole sticking point was that you have the reason that Chevron exists is basically to avoid policymaking from the bench. It's the idea that you have a, you, you have a, 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 a judge who's going to have to make a call about what legislation means. And that could be a policy concern and judges aren't supposed to make policy. They're supposed to interpret laws. The legislature makes policy. Right, but the, the executive's not supposed to make policy either. <laughs> right, right. But, you know... <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the court's very concerned with the, with the judicial system doing it. Their whole thing is we don't want political right. judges. That's what we don't want. Especially down sure. in the circuits. On the Supreme Court, it's different, but especially down in the circuits. We don't want politics to rule the day instead of law. Um... And so their their whole concern is that that well okay so we in, we institute this deference and we basically take it out of the hands of the judge. But the 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 problem that you get into there there were there were two judges in particular who were brought up who one of them said um one of these circuit judges said I've never gotten to step 2. Step 2 by the way Chevron is done in two steps. A Chevron analysis. The first step is can you use all of the tools of legislative construction and legislative uh interpretation to find a meaning for this uh that's just in the law without looking at what the agency says can you find can you find an interpretation in the law the Mm -hmm. second step if step one fails you go to step two which is agency's right as long as it's reasonable Mm. okay that's basically it there's there's the well, details that, that, that word reasonable seems to be very ambiguous, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> it's almost like the entire system is legal fiction all the way down. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in any case, that, that's the that's that's sort of the, those are the two steps, right? And there was one judge who said, "I've never seen step two. I've done a lot of cases where this is an issue. I've never seen step two. I've always been able to go in on step one and find a meaning in the legislation." There was another judge who said, "I've never stopped at step one." <laughs> it's always been ambiguous enough to justify going to step two. And it's, it's like that sort of distinct, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> like it's almost like the state grows, uh, through intentionally ambiguous language. Yeah. Uh, almost like the general welfare clause, uh, just sort of, you know, <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is everything possible. Yeah. And, uh, well, interstate commerce too. You think about the way interstate commerce oh, is. Like, sorry, sorry I, I was thinking, sorry, I meant interstate commerce. Well, no, but you're said. right. You're right to call it the welfare clause as well. But yes. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no interstate commerce, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the price of wheat you're growing right there might affect the price over in across state lines or something like that. Yep. And therefore, oh, well, now you're. Oh, yes. Aggregation really doctrine. If any activity taken is it's called aggregation of Wicker v. Filburn aggregation mm-hmm. doctrine. If any activity that you undertake could in the aggregate affect interstate commerce then it falls under Congress's power to regulate. Wow. Incredible. Isn't that great? Isn't yeah. That just, if you do anything, we yes. get to regulate it. It's yes. fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. The commerce hook is the fucking dumbest thing. But anyway, in any case, yeah, so, so there's a lot of people who are very upset that Chevron could be overturned. There's a lot of people who are elated that Chevron could be overturned. Um... And one of the reasons that it matters is just for, for just like I was saying, if you have a, an executive agency, let's say the ATF, and they're changing the definition of, let's say, a machine gun or an SBR or any other weapon under the NFA, now you have a case because now there's a question about, is that a legitimate definition under the law? Mm-hmm. Is that what was actually being thought of when they were writing this law? It's a very, very, very interesting situation, but it affects a lot of things. Again, it's not just herring fishermen. It very rarely is. West Virginia v. EPA is another one of these uh, cases that was, this was a case on major questions. And, and West Virginia v. EPA was, was almost the first, well, it wasn't the first shot, but it was the biggest shot fired so far in the current court's war against the, regulated, uh, against the, the uh, regulatory state. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that is continuing. If 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 they overturn Chevron, that is a huge blow to the bureaucracy, to the regulatory state. A huge blow. Oh yeah, I can I I can definitely see how that would be. Yeah, but this is the thing too, and and you know Paul Clement never said this, and and and, and there's a good reason why he didn't. Um, and neither did the other attorney, uh, I, whose name I forget. Now it's terribly disrespectful, but I I do. Um, the the they never said this, and there's good reasons that they don't say this. But at bottom, there's a simple truth to this, and that is, if the court gets it so wrong in one of these cases, the legislature can just amend the bill. <laughs> right. If it's true, if it's true that this is not what the legislator had in mind. Well, they didn't turn into a pumpkin once it was passed. They're still there. 
Uh-huh. If the legislature really has a problem that much with the court's interpretation of a law, they can amend the law. This is one of the things that was attempted. If you remember, um, this was something that old, uh, old, uh, oh shit, what's his face? Libertarian guy, senator. Um, shit. Uh, Rand Paul? No, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, maybe he's a congressman. I don't, actually, he might not be a senator. Um, Thomas Matthew? No, 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 no. The other one. The other one. The only other one. Um... Why am I blanking on his name? I can see his face. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, the the the, yeah. the Middle Eastern guy. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, I forget his name. <laughs> anyway, he, I don't know why I, for, I don't know why I'm blanking on it. But anyway, the the bill that he had introduced to get rid of qualified immunity just did that. It was basically an amendment to to section uh, 1983, and it said uh, qualified immunity is not a thing. Yeah. Like, that's how you do that. If you have a problem with the way that the court interprets a piece of legislation, you just amend it. And you say, the court was wrong uh, because this is supposed to mean this. Right. And it's a, it was a, it, that, that's, that's, that's their job to legislate. Yeah. Like, if there is ambiguity and people don't know what you're talking about, uh, that's, you know, just, I, I don't know, do better. Uh, Go back and fix it. <laughs> yeah. Jesus! Again, the legislature doesn't turn into a pumpkin once the law is passed. Yeah. And if the law is just too ambiguous, uh, maybe, uh, you know, don't do that. Maybe invalidate it for vagueness. (laughs) Yeah. Send it all the way back and say, try again. This is fucked. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, honestly, this is the kind of thing, uh, it it, it makes me upset. There's, there's, there are different strains of thought when you're talking about legal theory and the theory of separation of powers. And one of those strains of thought is called judicial supremacy. Generally, this is a derisive term. And it's the idea that the, the judiciary should be basically in charge of the whole thing. Not oh, explicitly, right. but in the sense that, like, they shouldn't be deferring to the legislature. They shouldn't be deferring to an executive agency in any case. They should be making their own determinations based on the language of the law. And if that's not good enough, get fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of the, the idea of judicial supremacy. They, they shouldn't be deferring yeah. to anyone else's opinion. That, that's what sometimes people like. The, the Supreme Court is the final arbiter, but a lot of people who use final arbiter mean that what you're saying there. Yes. Where it's like, yeah. That the court gets the final say in all things. And, 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 and there's, right. a, there's an argument to be made for that in certain cases. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if, if you're trying to make a system like this work, which, you know, anarchists, it's not workable, but <laughs> if you're trying to make it work, there's a certain amount of that that makes sense, I think. Sure. Um, but then there's also situations where it's like, well, no, a judge should probably be a little bit humble. And, and if somebody comes to them and says, no, 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 you don't understand. I work in this industry. This is how we operate. The judge should probably sh- just accept that. Mm-hmm. It's because you're you are somebody who went to law school, became a lawyer, then became a judge. You're not you're not running a fucking herring fishery. You don't know right. shit about you herring fishery. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Right. So so I'm not against judicial humility. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, it, it, it strikes me as a very much like a philosopher king uh, type system. Right. Uh, kind yes. of Like that's what people like want when they want that sort of system. It's like. Well, if I just sit down and think about it long enough, I'll come to the right answer on everything. Right. Exactly. Which is effectively, to be fair, 
effectively what Paul Clement and uh, and um, his name. I, I, hold on a second. I can pull it up really, really quickly. I need to, and I need to do that because it's rude of me not to. Uh, Roman Martinez. <clears throat> what what Clement and Martinez are arguing is effectively they should be doing that because mm-hmm. the job of the of the of the judiciary is to interpret the law. And if a law comes to their sure. desk and the question I mean, is, I, what does this mean? Do your job. Interpret it. I yeah. Even though I may disagree with that. I more. I think it's legally more sound than deferring it to the agency. Right. Right. And and actually, this is a, a question that Clement said, which was just like, why do we give the tie to the agency? If there's a question oh. about about the about what a term means in in law, why aren't we giving the tie to the citizen? Right. Why do we give the tie to the agency? Because we assume the agency has more expertise? Well, the person suing them is going to be involved in the industry somehow. Maybe they have more expertise. Right. Why aren't we giving the tie to the citizen? I thought that was an interesting point. That it's, mm-hmm. it's the internal sort of bias of government. Where it's like the judiciary is going to say the government's right. Right. Even if they didn't really think about it that hard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. But this is this the, these are an important this is an important set of cases. Chevron deference is a, is a thing that needs to go. There's another there's an underlying sort of doctrine and I forget the case, but um it's a different it's a different doctrine. It's not called deference. They're very careful not to call it deference. Uh acknowledgement, respect, consideration, but not deference. And it's an underlying doctrine that like in in cases where it's this ambiguous you should allow yourself if the if the agency can make a firm and convincing case that their definition is correct go with it but mm. they but it's a it's a it's a doctrine that requires persuasion mm. okay it's like they but they have to be able to make a very firm case and if they can't then they're wrong and you side with the other guy uh okay i see so it's sort of a, it's, I, I, I don't really see, depending upon how it goes, I don't really see how that wouldn't just turn into Chevron deference. <laughs> if Chevron's gone, they could just point to that and say that's what they're doing instead. Mm-hmm. But I think if that happened, the Supreme Court would probably take up a case and say, fuck you, this is not how it's done, and send <laughs> it back. Just as a message okay. to the circuits, which they do periodically. Right. They do that periodically. They'll take up a case just to make mm-hmm. the point to the circuits. You motherfuckers are doing this wrong. Here's how it's meant to be done. Um, but in any case, that's that is a that it's Chevron could die, and that would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's it basically it would what it would do is it would reduce the amount of delegation that can be done to the administrative state from the legislature. And it would require the legislature basically to give specific delegation authority in specific places. So, mm-hmm. for example, you take the NFA. If they have a general definition of a machine gun, they could append to that um, and other similar devices as determined by the ATF. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. But if they don't say that, then they haven't delegated that authority. now. You run into an issue where you have Heller problems with that. If Heller's still good law, that's still kind of a, a question. But 
you have heller questions with that because now you have this idea of something being in in common use right so if they decide to say that something's a machine gun that's actually in common use or for example an sbr uh we're gonna say that this thing is now an sbr well it's a pistol brace they're all over the goddamn place (laughs) you know what i mean uh-huh. For a while there, you couldn't buy an AR without a pistol brace on it. So the, the, there, this, this whole sort of... That, but that becomes the question in that case. Is do they get... It becomes a major questions question. Do you get to delegate that authority, the authority to the ATF to basically overrule Supreme Court precedent in saying that this thing that's in common use is now illegal? Does that make sense? Right. Right. Yes. Yes. So it's a it, it but it becomes a different legal question entirely. It's not a question of, you know, does the uh, does the agency have this power? It's a question of can the legislature give the agency this power? Right. Where that's not really at issue here. What's at issue here is how much should the judiciary bend over for the executive? And thankfully the answer is coming sort of back to not this much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, no, that could have a, a, a lot of, like, very good implications uh, if it was overturned. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And especially with the way the court's been going. Again, West Virginia, the uh, EPA, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's EPA v. West Virginia. I can't remember. Um, the, that, that case, the major questions, basically strengthening the idea of the major questions doctrine and this, like, they, they we're limiting how much you can delegate, you know what I mean, to an agency. Mm-hmm. And then here, if they start telling the courts, you don't have to take the agency's word for it. Well, now you get some very interesting litigation out of that. Mm-hmm. And you have sort of a, you could have the courts start to go the other direction and start saying, look, in the interest of legal, um... In the interest of the law being predictable and concrete and being something that people can can latch onto once they know a thing that that's good info and it will be um, mm-hmm. in the, in the interest of that, we're actually going to limit how much an agency can redefine shit. We're going to say yeah. if what you're doing is making if 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 what you're doing is making people into felons overnight. That should require an act of Congress. That is a huge deal. You're running into right, major questions that. and non-delegation. You don't get to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. As you said, it's like, you know, uh, you're making a law in some, uh, uh, by, you know, if, if we're going to say that the law is what makes someone, what to, whether it's a criminal, that's the standard we hold people by. If you can just expand the definition, uh, then you're essentially, facto making a law yes. uh, without legislation. <laughs> yes, yes. And the only reason that that kind of shit doesn't get knocked down as ex post facto stuff is because uh, it's not Congress doing it. Because <laughs> right. when the agency goes in and changes a definition, the legal fiction that operates there is that, well, that's what it always meant. <laughs> that is insane, actually. That's like wild. <laughs> that yeah. Is, well, like, it's the same. It's the same bonkers. legal fiction that operates on, uh, underlying sort of uh, the idea of legal precedent and of of constitutional law. When the when the court right. goes in and reads into a piece of the Constitution one thing, and then thirty years later decides it means something else, the the effect of that in the sort of fictional universe of law, the effect of that is oh, it always meant that they were just wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, see, uh, this all started one day when someone just started writing down words, and everything <laughs> went downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> Very unfortunate. Exactly. Yeah. But if you think about it, it kind of has to be that way. Because if you, if you have a system that is quote-unquote law, right? You, if you have this system, and what, what the judiciary is doing is interpreting this document, and they come out and they say, well, this document means this. And then later right. on, they change their mind. The only way you can conceive of it and have the entire process of judicial interpretation be legitimate is if it always meant that. Right, because then if they're, if they're not invalidating the, they'd be invalidating their own statement, right? If they did, if it didn't work like that, right? Say, right, because, because then the inter- judgment call, it's yeah. like, well, uh, I either have to say I'm right in my current judgment call of what this, or I'm going to say that I'm wrong. In which case, why are you? <laughs> yes, so. exactly. Well, it's also very much like how I mean, if, for example, they pass if they pass a constitutional amendment. And people right. are like, well, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution is unconstitutional. Well, no, it's not. It's an amendment to the Constitution. It's definitionally part of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of idea that, like, if you, if you then go to the 14th Amendment and read it in a particular way, that's what it means. And then if you mm-hmm. change your mind on that, like, let's say tomorrow they overturned uh, Slaughterhouse. And the Privileges or, immunity, or Immunities Clause of the 14th Amendment started to matter. Like it should have the entire time. And the, and we had to get do, you know, get rid of a lot of our due process jurisprudence, which we should be doing. Um, the, the, again, in legal fiction land, that was always the way we were supposed to be doing it. We just had it wrong for like a long time. And it, and it, and it kind of has to be that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, does that yeah, make yeah, sense in that. like a general sense? Not yes. does it does it make sense functionally? Because the answer is no. But no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of that's that's how this kind of works. And so you have this stuff like this Chevron thing, where where the, the underlying legal fiction is that well, Congress understands that the agencies are going to have to do gap filling, and so what the agencies say goes basically is it's as good as law. Um. <laughs> the, <laughs> if you overturn that then it's like well no it, it wasn't it was never as good as law um, it's the law is what's as good as law and what the agency says about it has to be questioned um, there was another issue that, that arose because of all of this a lot of, a lot of concern on the court and I think that I'm afraid this is going to drive a lot of the decision making here is the idea of stare decisis um, that, a, that a decision stands this, this idea that you have all these cases that have been decided based upon this notion of Chevron. That you have all these cases going all the way back uh, to the creation of Chevron that have been decided on the basis of this deference. And what happens with those cases now? Do people get to refile and say, um, well, Chevron's gone. That means there was a possi- there's a possibility the agency was always wrong. And so right. now we oh, get to right. refile. Oh, right. Yeah, that created a lot of retroactive. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. The answer to this that both Martinez and uh, and Clement gave was uh, no. Because the mm. way that you write the decision, if you're getting rid of Chevron, the way you write the decision is 
is it's now invalid, right? Well, what you say is, if the court has determined the action of an agency to be lawful, that decision will stand. And lawful mm-hmm. is slightly different from saying the agency's right in their definition. What the agency's doing isn't illegal is a different statement. And uh-huh. so what they're saying is basically, if you write the opinion where you retroactively go back and say, okay, what the agency is doing here is lawful. All these cases that we've already decided based on Chevron were decided under a different standard. And the standard is, is what the agency doing lawful? And we still say yes to that. Okay, and so yeah. you, you can avoid that, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Sure. You can avoid all those old cases bubbling back up if you just say, we're not going to side with you. We already decided this case. We decided that what they were doing was lawful. If it was illegal, we wouldn't have sided with them. So there you go. Okay, yeah. And so that's, the, that's sort of the way they want to limit that language in, in the interest of stare decisis, which I think is probably not going to fucking work, but <laughs> it's the best they can do. Sure. <laughs> because it is retroactively saying these cases were decided on a different standard. These cases were decided, they were decided on the standard of uh, the lawfulness of the agency's action and not was the agency actually correct. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's legal fictions all the way down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah exactly <laughs> it's just going back and rewriting all those old opinions i don't think right, that would right. work but whatever yeah, that seems like a, uh... <laughs> well i mean here's the thing too litigation's expensive and so if they say something in an opinion that basically makes somebody think ah chances are slim they're probably not going to pay to get to the supreme court sure sure you know what i mean sure but yeah, uh, th- that was just something that that's something very interesting that's happening that that could legitimately affect everybody listening who would like to have an SBR uh, or a machine gun. It, it actually yeah, no, could. Weird. Yeah. That's it's it, 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 again, it, that's one of the reasons that I actually like law so much is because <laughs> you have a case that's just like, what do I give a shit about a herring fishery? Well, this is why. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I actually like it a lot. It's because it's there's like a there's that part of my brain that's just like, ooh, things connect in weird yeah. ways. <laughs> no, it's it's the butterfly flapping its wings causing causing a tsunami. You know, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. And I am interested to see. I'm very curious to see when some of these cases that FPC has right now, that Costas has right now, when some of these cases start making their way up through the circuits and eventually get to the Supreme Court, if Chevron's gone, what happens to the ATF? (laughs) What happens to the NFA? Because what you're going to have is circuit splits. You're going to have the Ninth Circuit's going to say one thing and the Fifth Circuit's going to say another. And that has to be settled by the Supreme Court. Right. And so when it gets there, is the ATF going to have a really fucking bad day? <laughs> or are the Republicans on the court going to fucking fold? And all these people on the court who talk about how we need to rein in the regulatory state going to find some other way that it's okay when the ATF does it. Uh-huh. Right. 
It's a, it's a, because it will happen. It'll probably be a couple of years. Oh, I'm sure. But if Chevron's gone, what happens to the ATF? <laughs> and that's leaving aside the EPA and the FRA and all these other organizations mm-hmm. that go into people's business and walk into your office and say, I need to look at all your documents and I need to go inspect your right. track. And if you, if there's a couple of things that are just a little bit off, I'm going to, I'm going to try and give you a fine for it. Oh, and by the way, I don't know the rules either. Cause I'm walking into your office with the rule book for a class one railroad and your small switching yard doesn't go faster than 30 miles an hour. So I don't even know the proper <laughs> fucking rules that I should be judging your railroad based on, but I'm going to start trying to find you anyway. No, I don't have any personal experience with this. Why do you ask? (laughs) (laughs) I don't. My dad does. uh... But but the the stories I have heard about the way regulatory agencies actually operate... Oh, man. Yeah. Anyone who's in industry, anyone who's in any kind of industry, just ask them, like, what was the last time you got inspected and how dumb was it? And they'll have a story, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. The, uh, the, so this could be this again. Th- there could be a lot of fallout from this for gun people. Um, and that's that's something to keep an eye on. You're going to start seeing rule changes. You're going to start seeing laws. If if this goes the Chevron, uh, the way of Chevron getting thrown out, because you that mm-hmm. that might actually light a fire under the legislature's ass. Maybe because this is the other thing, too, is they never codified Dobbs. They, they, they never codified Roe. <laughs> they had many opportun- opportunities to codify Roe. And, and it seems like the legislature operates on the assumption the public is too stupid to understand that when th- cases like this happen and doctrines like this happen. The legislature needs to act if they want the regime to be protected. And it, it seems like the legislature's too dumb to know that, and that's why they never codified Roe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, and maybe they're right, because I think there's a lot of people who look at these cases and they're like, what do I care about an EPA doc- a doctrine in an EPA case and how it affects herring fishermen? What do I give a shit? But you give a shit because it means your machine gun might be legal. <laughs> <laughs> and it means your SBR might be legal. It's a very interesting yeah, that, thing. That's really interesting. Uh, man, I just see any I like future prospect where the ATF just gets just takes a big fat L. Uh, I, that's great. I'd love to see. Oh, I want that it so is, bad. Uh, yeah, I want it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's if they don't decide as soon as it looks like it's going to go to the Supreme Court, if they don't decide to retroactively to go back on the rule and try and moot the case. But the other issue oh, is if you, yeah. if you don't have Chevron anymore, the mootness argument gets weak because hmm. then the argument becomes they could do it again tomorrow and that can defeat mootness. And often does. If it's something that could just be signed again tomorrow. Um, it will often defeat the mootness idea. And it's, it's like this, this, well, it's not moot because you're just going to do it again. Once we say that this case is moot. Mootness is a funny word. (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) It's one of those situations. I was talking to my mom 
me and me and uh, Lady Jane were talking to my mom, and and we were talking about legal duties, and my mom's chuckling at at the use of the word duty, <laughs> and and I look at I I look at her, and I'm like, I wish I could still do that, but I heard it <laughs> so much. They, they uh-huh. like you say it so much in law school. You're always talking about legal duties, affirmative duties, implied duties, yada yada yada. It's it just isn't allowed to be funny anymore, and it sucks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was still funny to me. I really do. <laughs> it's a little piece of joy in my life that was taken. <laughs> oh. Anyway, yeah, that's why those cases are interesting. I know, I know that some people, I'm sure, find like law discussion and shit boring, but that's what I. I that was interesting, though. Well, that's the thing about this is that it actually does matter for you if you care about gun rights in particular. It, this really, really matters. Um, yeah. And and I think it's also important too to understand some of the underlying stuff. You know, everybody makes the complaints about like why does the ATF get to just write new laws whenever they want? Well, this stuff is why. This is this is the underlying stuff that causes that. And I think it's important if we're going to complain about that and and as we should, I think it's important that we also understand it and and that we also have a a really good functional understanding of why does the ATF get to just change laws whenever it wants? Well, because the courts aren't going to stop them. You're right. <laughs> because this doctrine exists. Or because this other doctrine exists or because we have uh, all this deference and we have uh, because we've we've basically allowed the non-delegation issues to go away um, until very recently, and also that that's the stuff that's underlying all of that conversation. Because it is a more complicated conversation than just, well, isn't it mm-hmm. the legislature's job to write laws? Well, yeah, but the way that the courts treat that has changed over time and is changing, and we should know that. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So. I know there's also a lot of people who are just like, what do I care what a court says? And that's fair. <laughs> that's totally fair. But for, for that, for, for your sake, person who has that position, I certainly hope that these legal issues go the way that, that doesn't wind up with you accidentally committing a 10 year felony. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. I hope for you that that's what happens. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's all I had, man. Did you have anything else? Uh, no, I think that's all I had, too. Well, I, I didn't have anything. <laughs> you said, <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're totally fine. The, uh, I know you've been unplugged, and it's probably... Enjoy your meal, and I say you, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the, the, it's, I know you've been unplugged, and it's probably a good thing, because it's, um... I can tell you I've been a little more unplugged than usual over the mm-hmm. past week or so, and it, it feels okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that at all. Um, anyway, but was there anything that you wanted to bring up? Anything in particular? Nope. Nope. Uh, that's, that's it. Okay. Anything at all to plug? Uh, nope. Not, not this week. All right. Um, well, Pacing Joska on Twitter, J-O-U-S-K-A, uh, Pacing Joska on Blue Sky, uh, which I haven't been on in a while. Again, I've been unplugged from things a little bit, but, um, also the show, T-E-T-C dot show on Blue Sky and at T-E-T-C show on Twitter. Thank you all so much for listening.
Later, guys. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of The End Times Continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show. 